0: Tonight I want to talk to you about the subject of it's time to thrive, not just survive. Honey, survival mode is never the place that God planned for you to have to live. He wants us to thrive, not just survive. 1 John 5, 5. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Then you have overcome the world. So sure don't feel like it sometimes. Don't matter how it feels sometimes. The truth is in the Word of God. 1 John 4, 4. Year of God. Say that. I am of God. One more time. I, I am, am of God. Of God. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are of God. You are of God. This world is nuts. They don't even know what they're doing. They are so messed up and deceived and deluded. It's unbelievable. But you are of God. And when many people have become seduced by lies and have decided to look to the government as their savior, ye are of God. And you're not going to fall for that junk. They want the government to pay off their loans, give them all the money to live on, and to meet every one of their problems. It's the government's job. No. It is not the government's job. But that's right. That's what they want. That's what they want. They don't seem to care that if having government money means having government control, they're in trouble. They embrace socialism. So, oh, you're getting political tonight, Pam. Oh, it's going to get worse. Just, just brace yourself. Brace yourself. I studied communism and socialism as a teenager. I mean, when my friends were out smoking pot, and they were having their peace rallies, peace at any cost, give your enemy everything kind of peace, when they were, you know, just getting high and and just acting like fools, I was reading, I was studying socialism. I could see what was happening in our country. When they were out partying, I was reading the Communist Manifesto, and I was trying to warn them, warned them that what they were embracing would, would destroy our country. And that was back in the 60s. And you know what? It's happening. It's happening today. I spoke out. I wrote letters to congressmen. I wrote letters to people in authority. And I urged them to resist the socialist agenda. I saw the danger I actually, all by my lonesome, all by my little old self, would go out on Sunday afternoons with petitions and ask people to sign to keep our nation independent. At age 18, I went to a liberal protest event, armed with literature, exposing what they were doing. By myself. Here's all these people protesting. I'm there by myself, which said, with my literature that says boycott communism and trying to express to people what this agenda was that they were so thinking was so cool. Um, I was there for quite a time passing out literature. As a matter of fact, I was on the news. And, uh, when I got ready to go to my car to leave, there was a group of people that followed me to my car called the Black Panthers. And uh, they had attended the protest group. And it wasn't a racial group. I mean, it wasn't a racist protest. It was a, a liberal agenda protest. But they were there. And a whole gang of them followed me to my car. They surrounded my car, front, back, both sides, stood in front of it. And they wanted to turn it over. Well, it was it was real cute back in those days. They thought to turn people's cars over and burn them up. You guys remember that? Anybody old as me remember any of that? Uh, and they thought that was the thing to do. But I thought, you know what? I am just starting my car, and I am going to start driving, and there's some of them that are in front of here, and they're either going to have to move or they're going to have to scrape them up off the pavement because they're not going to turn my car over. And so I think they saw in my eyes that I meant business, and I just kept going, and they backed away. And there's no doubt in my mind that my mama's prayers and God's deliverance came into play that day. Yeah. But the, what, the point that I'm trying to make is that even at that young age, I had to stand up for what I believed in. Yeah. And uh, I became what they call proactive, proactive, And you know what? I have that same fire and that same passion in my heart today. But today, I'm a Christian. And today, that passion is for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of Almighty God. In this hour of ungodly plots and maneuvers, I'm going to take my stand for the kingdom of God, aren't you? Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us to pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth. That's part of the Lord's Prayer. And and there's an authority in that. We have authority, and we talked about this Sunday, authority in the earth. We have authority in the earth. Now, we got in the Word of Faith movement right after we got saved, and God put us under Kenneth Copeland. We we traveled with him for many years and, and just kind of grew up under his teaching. And so if it's one thing that Kenneth Copeland could teach, it was the authority of the believer.
1: Amen.
0: And he one time was talking about how um, when Eve, when that snake came into the garden, what she should have done was just take authority over him and tell him get out of the garden. Yeah. Not getting a, in a, a dialogue with him and you know sometimes we just we just get in these dialogues with people or devils or whatever and before long if you do that before long they'll have you doubting if what you think is right is actually right so you can't you can't go there but that stuck in my mind i thought yeah and at that point in time in our life we had a uh piece of land out by India. The- I don't know where that is. We had 34 acres. It was beautiful. Hills and valleys and streams and a lake and a cave and a natural bridge. And, I mean, this property was beautiful. And I worked like a field hand on that property and, and building trails and making it beautiful. And I had a an area out on one of the bluffs where I had my prayer bench. And I would go out there and I would sit. And I would pray. And I loved it. I loved the solitude of being out there in the woods. And um, so one day I was out there being all spiritual. And uh, I heard something coming up the hill. I couldn't see it. But I could tell it was big. It was coming up the hill. And I uh, I looked down there. Well, when it emerged from the brush, it was about a thousand pound pig. It was a big bunch of bacon, let me tell you, coming up that hill. Uh, and I was shocked. And I I stood up and I said, you listen to me. In the name of Jesus, this is my garden and you are not welcome here. So you just... Get on out of here! Well, he just turned around, and he just ran off. Authority, right? Okay, so I didn't—I mean, I didn't think a whole lot about it. It was kind of strange that this big pig was on our property, but then not long after that, a friend of ours was helping me with the trails, and he's a great big six-foot, six-big, stocky guy, and I was picking up sticks off the trails, and he was running the lawnmower behind me. And the, the trail was not all that wide, maybe about this wide. Well, there's he and I, and we're coming on the trail. Well, lo and behold, what's coming up the trail from the other direction? A great big pig. And so my friend somehow seemed, my big bodyguard, he actually was our bodyguard at our church, he, he stopped. He didn't proceed. And I just stomped myself towards that pig and I said, You go home. You get out of here in the name of Jesus. You get out of here. He looked at me like you and what army. I said, You get out of here in the name of Jesus. This is not your property. Go home. He turned around and he went home. But first he started coming toward me. That's the way the devil will do, you say
1: Hey, devil, come out. He said, I'm not coming out. Matter of fact, I'm going to get you too.
0: But he turned around and went out. It it, it turned out these pigs were coming from uh, a place that was quite a ways away from ours, but the fence had got torn down in between our property and theirs, and so they were coming over into our yard. But, you know, that seems like a simple thing. But how often do we just deal with things in the natural instead of taking Spiritual authority. God has given us spiritual authority. He has delegated it to us. And when I was ordained, the message that was given to me was that you will invade the caverns of darkness as it were with heavy-duty machine sprayers of the anointing and strip away layer after layer of religion and hypocrisy, setting people free, setting people free. I The lady, uh, Victoria, that was here Sunday, she was going to come back tonight, but she's moving, and the moving trucks were coming this afternoon, so she didn't get to come. But she asked me after church, she said, have you always been this strong? I said, oh, yeah. I said, I have. I've just always been. But I said, I'm even bolder the older I get, you know. Uh, I don't care who's impressed and who isn't, as long as God's impressed. If he tells me, hey, now you're just getting a little too far out there, well, that's one thing. But he hasn't done that, so fat chance of anybody else telling me. I'm just going to be bold. I hate falsehood. I hate wrong religion. I hate watered-down teaching that never confronts anything. I don't want people to be lied to by the devil and to be bound up by fear and depression and sickness and disease and poverty and sin, while I'm more interested in not offending than ripping the shackles of Satan off of their lives. Amen. Am I scaring you? Okay. Jesus laid down his life for what he believed, didn't he? And there are many apostles, prophets, missionary, disciples, Followers of Christ who have been tortured, who have been martyred for what they believe. I, I, I kind of. It, it's just I feel like, oh gosh, what have I done compared to these people? Really, um, I have a friend who is friends with people in mission in uh, Af- Afghanistan, and they're missionaries over there, and. They send her text messages, and she puts them on social media. And it's amazing the stand that these people take. They're like, people are telling them, we're praying for God to get you out of there. They say, no, we don't want out of here. This is our place of assignment, and if we die here, we die here. But these people need us. And God needs us to share the gospel. I think of people like Cory Tinboom. I mean, it's just people who were just, they wouldn't back down. And, and whatever happened, they stood strong. I will never stop sharing this gospel. No, no, a thousand times, no. I will not. I will not. When David came against Goliath, he asked this question. He said, Is there not a cause? And I'm telling you today, there's a cause. If there's ever been a cause, there's a cause today. David said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This is our time, people of God. You are of God. That means... The limitations that the world has does not apply to you. God wants us on the front lines, and I don't care what your age is. He has chosen us and equipped us to occupy until he comes. Amen. Amen. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, true spakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away." And what's part of us in here is not, and some of them will be newscasters. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the people that have the least value of something to say are the ones that are the loudest. But we got to get louder because Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. Isn't that the truth? I mean, the grosser it is, the better they like it. Reprobates. They refuse to retain God in their knowledge. And so, God gives them over to reprobate minds. But still, some are just deceived by the reprobates. They're not really reprobate themselves. And, And when you pray for them and you talk to them, You can snatch some of them out of the fire of deception. Gross darkness to people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee. The Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Too many people have decided to just settle in and survive when God wants us to overcome and thrive. When you ask them how they're doing, they say, Oh... I'm just trying to survive this COVID. I'm scared to do anything. I'm scared to do anything. JR, you heard about Mabel up in Tallahassee, didn't you? You didn't hear about Mabel? Mabel up in Tallahassee, you didn't hear about her? Well, let me tell you. Mabel, she went down to the Piggly Wiggly to get her some Twinkies. Well, while she was in there, the guy in the next aisle over sneezed. My Lord, Mabel ran out the door. She didn't get her Twinkies. She ran straight home, locked herself in her house, and she hasn't been out and she hasn't had a Twinkie ever since. Yeah, that's sad. We're thinking about chartering a jet and sending Wit up there to take her a box of Twinkies, but she's likely to shoot him when he goes on the doorstep, so I don't guess we can. Now, I know, I, I, please, 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 don't think that my humor is meant in any way to make judgment calls on people's health concerns, because it's not. I believe everyone has the right to their own decisions and to be led by the Spirit of God. As to where they go and where they don't go. There's some places God has told me not to go and I don't go. We have to be led by the Spirit. What I don't want is for people just to be taken over by a spirit of fear. So they just don't want to go anywhere and you know, and they're just locked up in this encased in this fear instead of faith. God gives unusual instructions in strange times. God told Isaac to sow in famine. He did, and he reaped a thousand times more when everything around him was dead. God told me to do something in early of 2020 that was totally, totally, totally out of my comfort zone. We were at a TV station in Orlando with Pastor Billy Burke, and he was on the show, and Pastor Billy and his wife, Melanie, were there. And um, God told me to sing prophetically over him. I barely know this man. I barely know this man at that time. But I I went up to him. I said, I got to do something. And I said, I got to do it quick or I won't do it at all. Because this is totally out of my comfort zone. But I said, God told me to sing prophetically over you. And the little verse wasn't wasn't that big of a deal. But the words were...
1: Your due season has come. Your harvest has begun. Seeds that seem dormant for years. I'm singing it too low. Have been watered by your tears. Your prayers have already been heard. You have staked your life on God's word. Now your due season has come, your due season has come. He's like, he grabs his wife, Melody, get your phone.
0: Pam, you got to sing that again. I got to have that. Okay, this is like right before everything shut down for COVID, okay? So what does my mind say? Here I am singing to this man I hardly know that his due season has come. COVID shuts everything down. And the fact that he didn't have a church building and met in hotel rooms meant they wouldn't rent them to him anymore. And everything came uh, screeching halt. So it seemed. But he started doing virtual healing services online. And his ministry has just skyrocketed around the world. At a time when it looked like everything was shutting down, at a time that Isaac sowed in famine, when everything was dead and dry, God brought something forth. And and I was so glad that that, that happened because I was thinking, you know what? You've sung over that oh, The devil does you. You've sung over that guy. You told him that stuff. Now everything's shut down. He thinks you're a bimbo nut. But it was God's word to him and God confirmed that word. God confirmed that word. And his ministry just keeps growing and growing and growing. Ready to go on Kenneth Copeland's, um, network. And, um, I don't care what it looks like. Um, God is able to advance you in the most adverse situations. Evangelist Norval Hayes had an orange grove in Florida. Well, a freeze was coming. And if anybody knows Norval, Norval is, was, he's gone to be with Jesus now, but he, he is a wild, bold man. And he went out there, and he walked all around the perimeters of his orange grove, and he talked to it, and he said, You won't die. You'll live. You won't freeze. I have a covenant with God. I have promises from God, you'll live and you won't die. Well, that was the year that the freeze came through Florida. And I mean, you would you could just drive down the roads afterwards and it was just miles of black dead trees where, that had been killed by that freeze. But not Norval's Grove. Norval's Grove was green and flourishing. Psalm 112-1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord and delighteth greatly in his commandments. Psalm 112-7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed trusting in the Lord. If our hearts are fixed trusting in the Lord, it doesn't matter what kind of evil tidings are hurled at us. We're going to stay in faith. Amen? We're going to stay in faith. We all need, we all need to have just some good old-fashioned tenacity to us. Now, what is the definition of tenacity? Well, I'm so glad you asked because I looked it up. The quality or fact of being able to grip something firmly. Grip something firmly. And that something's got to be the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of his word. When we do, we can stand strong when we hear bad news. Quitting or giving up is not an option for us. Some people who don't even know Jesus are more tenacious than some believers. They refuse to give up no matter what happens. There was a little boy named Glenn, Glenn. at that lived in a time in history where they had where his school was a little uh one room schoolhouse and it was heated by a potbellied coal stove. Well, Glenn's job was to go early in the morning and to start the fire so that the room would be warm for his classmates and his teacher when they arrived. Well, one morning the teacher and classmates arrived to find that the building was engulfed in flames. And they pulled out the unconscious little Glenn. And he was more dead than alive. And matter of fact, they took him to the county hospital. And the, and the doctor told us he... And, and Glenn by that time was somewhat semi-conscious. And he heard the doctor tell his mother... He will not live. He will not live. And it's a good thing that he will not live because the entire lower part of his body has just been totally destroyed by the fire. Well, Glenn heard it. You know what he said? He wouldn't even say it out loud. He couldn't even say it out loud at that one time. But he said
1: inside, inside himself, I'm going to live. I'm gonna live. Well, guess what? He did. He did.
0: He lived. Uh, and then the doctor tells his mother, I, I don't think I would want this doctor, but then this doctor tells his mother, said, well, it sure would have been a lot better if he would have died because he's, he's never going to be able to live a normal life. His legs are useless. He's never going to be able to walk. He's never going to be able to do anything. So it would have been better if he would have just died. Well, thank God. Lynn didn't want to die. He made up his mind that he would live, and he lived. And the doctor was surprised that he lived. And he was in the hospital for a long time, and when he came home, he either had to be in bed or in a wheelchair. And so one day his mom pushed his wheelchair outside so that he could get some fresh air and sunshine, and then she went on to do her duties. And um, Glenn threw himself out of the wheelchair on the ground. His legs just, just they were little thin, burned up things that just dangled off his body. He had no control over them. He had no feeling in them. But he threw himself out of the wheelchair onto the grass, And then he used the grass, he used his hands and used the grass to pull him over, pull himself over to the picket fence that bordered their property. He got a hold of that fence and he pulled himself up and he held himself by his arms and just drugged the lower part of his body, but he walked all the way around the yard and he did it so many times that he wore a smooth path all the way around the inside of the fence. And guess what? Eventually, he began to get a little strength in those legs. He began to walk. He began. It was it was haltingly to, at best, but he was walking a little bit. Then he began to walk a little faster. He kept doing this every day, a little faster. Finally, he ran, and then he ran to school. And he would run everywhere he went. Because he could run. And so um, he um, eventually, later on in school, joined the track team. And then he was honored at Madison Square Gardens. What year was it? 1934. The little boy... not expected to survive, definitely would never walk, who could never hope to run, this determined young man, Dr. Glenn Cunningham, ran the world's fastest mile on June 16, 1934. He ran the mile in 4.6 minutes, breaking the world's record. Wow.
1: Wow.
0: That's determination. That's determination. And and I want us to know that's the kind of people we have to be. Evil is getting bolder. We have to get bolder. And our faith works. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. If sheer will and determination... Could do that for Glenn, what would total obedience and dependence on God do for us? Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. What if we made every thought in our mind and word from our mouth a vehicle of faith? Wow. We talked Sunday about every idle word. Every idle word we give an account for. What if we make our words vehicles of faith? And we send them as missiles into the darkness in this earth. And we take the name of Jesus. And we bring down wickedness in heavenly places. Instead of just chiming in with about everybody else who wants to talk about how bad it is, what if we use our authority and make some changes? Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. in closing. I love this scripture. If you've heard me preach very many times, you've heard this scripture. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? We got to say no. No way. Nothing is too hard for you, God. And tonight, I just feel like there's things in our life that are like a Goliath. And God's waiting for us to pick up our stones and go toward it instead of running from it. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. In everybody's life, it's probably something different. But I just want you to bow your heads for a minute. Father, in the name of Jesus, I myself along with everyone here, God, I just pray that you would show us where we can make a difference, where we can make a difference. God, I know that you are positioning and repositioning people where they can be most effective for your kingdom. And God, wherever we need to go, whatever we need to do, whoever it joins us with or disconnects us from, God, we want to be sold out to you. We want to be so full of your power and your glory and your authority that we can change this world in your name. God, I know that things are probably going to get worse in this earth. The last days talks about it. But at the same time, your people are becoming a glorious, perfected bride who know you who serve you, who do great and mighty things. And we want to be a part of that. You know, God's... It's, the Bible says that His eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those to whom He can show Himself strong. So that means it's not everybody. Well, you know what? When His eyes are going to and fro throughout this whole earth and He looks at me... I want him to see me say, me,
1: me, pick me, pick me, pick me. <laughs>
0: There's not a person in this room that does not have an anointing and a calling and an assignment from God. Oh, I can just feel the fire of God on me as I say these words. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Mm. Lord, I just release them. Release them from every hindering spirit, every work of the devil, every thought that would discourage them. And just as you stood at that tomb... And you said, Lazarus, come forth. I pray that tonight, out of this room, will come forth an army.
1: Oh, God.
0: Oh, God, open our eyes, Lord. Forgive us where we failed. Cleanse us and open our eyes to
1: the possibilities
0: that are around us every day, God. The possibilities in prayer where we can bring down forces of darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. I I I don't think I'm gonna lay hands on anybody or anything tonight. I think God's doing personal ministry. Just lift your hands. Sign of surrender. Sign of surrender. God, I'm willing. God, I'm not only willing, I'm hungry. I want to be used to the praise of your glory. I want to be a vessel
1: of honor.
0: Oh, God. I lay aside every sin and every weight, everything that easily besets me. And I'm going to run this race.
1: In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I have decided to follow Jesus.
0: you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, God.
1: We praise you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. You're worthy
0: of praise. You're worthy of praise. We expect great things. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you have anything?
2: Let me get you microphone. Wait a minute. Microphone. Microphone. I, uh, when she gets a hold, or when she's going to preach the Word of God, that's all she wants around her. She wants the Word of God. She wants encouragement. She do not want anything else. And uh, in the days that we're living in, when you look at what government's trying to do to us, um, for those, of, for instance, for those of you who are on Social Security, I read for we're going to get the biggest pay raise in January that maybe Social Security people have gotten years. But we're going to make less money. <laughs> now, how can you get the biggest raise you've ever made? But let they said the Medicare and all the things you're going to take out of your check is more than they're going to put into it. So anyway, I say this, I have little things I, I see that Pam don't see, and I don't want to talk to her about it. She, you know, when she's going to minister, she won't talk to me. She's not in, she's in this world. She, she don't want to hear about this world. She's doing something. So I ch- do do have you, have any of you ever heard of the, the, the crate, crate challenge? Well, there's a thing they call the crate challenge, and I'm not hip as a 19 year old would be, so maybe I'm a you don't know from what I'm saying, but they stick stack milk crates on. And the challenge is I stacked them 18 high and stood on them. Now you stack them 19 high. And they stack them until so somebody falls maybe hurts himself. Anyway, <laughs> my challenge to you is Saturday, before Pamp preaches on Sunday, is the speak only the positive, cheerful word Saturday. And um, if you can do it, I'm, when I challenge you, I think, "Oh Lord, that's a whole day. I got I to do that a whole day. Uh, I cannot be around Pam without saying something about what Joe Biden's doing, or, or the, the so co- covert uh, 19s doing, or the taxes. I got a whole day. I got to speak positive and cheerful and uh, faith-filled words. So I just challenge you Saturday to uh, speak the word over your life that what you want God to do here Sunday." speak the word over our pastors is I don't know where they are but I, that they're blessed and provided for uh, and, and God's moving in their life just take Saturday I challenge you to speak Saturday only the words that back up by the word of God so any, anyway uh, I'm hoping I can get by 9 o'clock in the morning I figure <laughs> if I set my alarm for 8.58 I might make it so <laughs> anyway
0: Well, I'm looking forward to Sunday and uh, I haven't so enjoyed tonight being with you all. And, you know, it's not the number of people that makes a a service good. It's the people who draw on the anointing and, and it goes far beyond the anointing that's on me. It's the people who are drawing on Jesus and saying, Lord, just want you just want more just got to know you just got to live for you and i'm and i'm i'm excited i'm blessed tonight and i thank each one of you for being here and i look forward to sunday i've got a i've got a a, a word god's already given me for sunday and uh, he he's building something here he's building something here everybody here's got an assignment and he's building something here and equipping you for that which he's called you to do god bless you Amen. Thanks for
2: coming.